Hola. Hola. Como estás equals konnichiwa. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to Money with Mac and G. Today we're going to talk about the market, why saving it and understanding money is so important, and surprising facts about the Irish and their money. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment for us, and tell us what you like and maybe don't like. And we're going to go ahead and start with the markets. The Dow is up slightly again by a small margin, while the S&P and NASDAQ fell almost a percent. After the prior week's nice climb. <laughs> so it's the Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ in first, second, and third place in gains for the year. But Bitcoin is clearly up the most at over 100%. And, yay, yay. and my <laughs> day trading was negative for the first time this year. Ouch. And let's not forget about Apple. Apple is down 10% year to date. So crazy days, lots of change. And the market, what's the market do, guys? Goes up, up and down. Yes, now we've got a story to tell, and St. Patrick's Day was here last week. By the look of the Irish, I tell you. And we want to go ahead and start there. Mac, why don't you start with the story? Okay. Well, Dad took a look at how well the Irish do with money. They do have leprechauns guarding pots of gold under the rainbow, right? And they sure know how to drink and make a great cereal. Always after me lucky charms. But are they any good with money? Well, we have to first ask the question if the Iris save any money. You can't have it and invest it unless you save it. Get this, they're ranked number two in the world behind Macau in savings. Macau is interesting because it's just west of Hong Kong, about 30 miles in China. And it's known for gambling and tourism. Any idea how it compares to Vegas? Vegas is big, right? Yep. Well, Vegas does about $6.4 billion of gambling revenue a year, and Macau does $28 billion. That's over four times the revenue of Vegas. Pretty impressive, I'll say. And the ratings for savings comes from how much is saved as a percent of how much money is made within the country in a year. Any idea, guys, where the U.S. might be? You'd think it would be pretty good since we're a pretty rich country, right? However, we rank all the way down at number 100. Well, that's interesting. So how important is saving? First, it's a pretty simple equation. You must spend less than you make. It's rule number one because you need money to invest it. We have a pretty good amount of individuals who have saved and invested who have became millionaires in the U.S., and we cover the keys to becoming a millionaire when covering various books like The Millionaire Next Door. So how many millionaires do we have? There are about 12 million people in the U.S. who have that designation, and it takes time. Of the people that were surveyed, only about 5% did it under in a decade, and the average was almost 30 years of work, planning, saving, and investing. The states with the most millionaires are tilted towards the states that have the most people. Number one is California, then New York, Florida, Texas, and then Illinois. That shouldn't be so surprising. But what is surprising is that 50% of millionaires live in neighborhoods with a household income of less than $75,000. And would you believe that 60% live in houses that are valued less than $500,000? So why do we come back every week? And most weeks, we release multiple episodes about making money and caring for it because it's important to learn about it, keep it, and protect it. Having money requires patience and discipline. There was a guy many years ago named Cornelius Vanderbilt who said, 
Any fool can make a fortune. It takes a person of brains to hold on to it after it's made. It's funny that he said that because when he died in 1877, he was the richest man in the U.S. and possibly the world, the Bezos or Gates or Elon of his time. If you haven't heard of Mr. Vanderbilt, you probably should have. He was a pretty amazing, critical part of the U.S. economy, and helped build the infrastructure to help it grow. Quite a few people know about Vanderbilt University, which bears his name, and we almost had our cousin go there for medical school. Cornelius was born into a humble family, which were farmers, but his father made money running a ferry between Staten Island and Manhattan as well by moving cargo. I guess Cornelius saw an opportunity and went into business for himself and became one of the country's largest steamship operators in the country. During the Civil War, he donated his largest and fastest steamship, named fitting enough, the Vanderbilt, to the Union Navy. It cost one million dollars to make and was used to chase down Confederate raiders. Now he got named the Commodore and was fiercely competitive and ruthless, which earned him numerous enemies. In the 1860s, he began another empire in railroad transportation, which he had made more efficient and earned a lot of money along the way. Now, after the Commodore died, he left a bulk of the fortune to his son. And the commoner's descendants built the largest privately owned home in the United States with 250 rooms, called the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina. Why is that fact important? Well, because of this little story. About 80 years after the commoner's death, 120 descendants had a family reunion at Vanderbilt University. Okay, side fact: the school's athletic teams are called the Commodores. I thought that was pretty cool, huh? Okay, back on point. Out of those 120 descendants, there was not one millionaire in the crowd. Even though the commodore left more than 100 million dollars to his son, and should have grown many times over the 80 years. So what happened? About six years after the commodore's death, the family was spending large amounts of money. They wanted to be accepted. By the New York elite, they were considered new money, which meant they recently earned their money. That's true. However, it was different from old money, which was passed from generation to generation through inheritance. At the time, if you were new money, you weren't as well respected. Weird to think about, as all the people we talk about, like Buffett, Gates, Jobs, Elon, Bezos, and more, are all new money. Anyway. They weren't ever asked to social gatherings like large dances or balls. So what did they do? They took three years to build the biggest mansion in New York and have a magnificent Vanderbilt ball. After three years of construction, which cost over seventy million dollars in today's money, they invited one thousand of the most elite people in New York and spent over six million dollars on the party. Needless to say. It wasn't worth it, and the spending never really stopped. Kind of like the Biltmore, just spending and spending. Now, since history often repeats itself, it's something we have to think about. Over the next few decades, there is going to be over sixty-eight trillion dollars passed from baby boomers, yeah, boomers, to millennials. It's the biggest transfer between generations that we've ever seen. Those who aren't prepared, uneducated, and insecure about money, like the Vanderbilt clan, will simply waste the amazing gift they will be given. Instead of building for the future, 
fancy cars and homes will be bought and the money will be wasted on luxuries. But on the opposite end of the spectrum will be those, like us, who will be prepared. We will respect it and make those who have given it to us proud and treat it as sacred because it represents 30 years of hard work, patience, and persistence. We will not squander it and we will make things better for generations to come. Hey, the Commodore, though a great businessman, wasn't said to be a great father. So it may not be a surprise that his children weren't prepared for what was to come and simply burnt the money. Most people aren't ready for a large amount of money to simply drop in their lap. About 70% of lottery winners or people who get large sums of money go bankrupt within a couple years. That's why it's important to learn now. Not only what should be done, but also what should not be done. Read, study, and work at it. I firmly believe there will come a day when we'll see comments that this simple yet powerful message will be valued by many. And I hope that you're one. Today, I'm going to think a bit about the Commodore, future generations that can be empowered, and how a little preparation can go a long way. Thanks for being here, and please like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast so we can continue to touch as many people as possible and help guide them to a stronger, brighter future for us all. Thank you. Bye. Bye.